if you would, please. Chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Brother John read verses 11 through the end of the chapter, verse 25. When he read this, as you were following along, what you'll notice is the um, simplicity of the passage. There's a great deal of important truth in this passage that is right on the surface. So let's just read it together and let the Lord show us what it says again. Starting in verse 11 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, Glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Servants. Be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereto we were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself, to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Our Father, 
I thank you for the power of your own word. Lord, I thank you that you make it very clear that your word will not return unto you void. That your word will not go forward and not skip the accomplishing of what it is that you want it to accomplish when it goes forth. Father, I ask you that you'd give each and every one of us a greater understanding of the confidence we should have in you and in what you say. Lord, would we, would we be done with the words of men and care about what you say about things? Lord, bless us, please. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to take a great deal of time uh, this morning. What I want you to notice is the context. We're going to go back through these verses a little bit again as an introduction, verses 11 through 25. But I'd like you to turn back a page first, if you would. Turn back to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. And what I want you to notice is this. It says in verse 2 of chapter 1, well, let's look at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, what I want you to notice about that word is the word strangers. The strangers scattered. Now, in the, in the, uh, in the context, uh, what, what people would probably point out primarily about this, this context is that these are uh, speaking to Hebrews who have recognized that Jesus is the Christ, which is contrary to the official teaching of the priesthood on earth. In other words, he came unto his own, his own received him not. And because of their rejection of him, not only did they reject him, now what's interesting is this, when those who are in positions of power and authority reject something, not only do they reject it, but they put it down. And what I mean by this is they cause anyone who would follow that to be thought of as less than others. In other words, maybe you're just dumb if you believe that Jesus is the Christ. Maybe you're just dumb if you actually believe that there was a God that created all of this. Maybe you're just dumb, right? A little while ago, someone was asked, uh, LeBron James was asked actually, why do you believe that so many people voted the wrong way during the last election? And this was his answer. I don't think people was educated well. That's a quote. I don't think people was educated well. And see, here's the thing, listen, for, for, for a number of years I have pointed this out, that mankind, and I mean this, mankind, from the time we are able to communicate with each other, behave primarily as eight-year-olds on a playground. And the bully and the mob rule. The strangers scattered said, no, Jesus is the Christ. We realize that he is the Messiah, that he was set to set us free. But he came not to set us free from Rome, he came to set us free from us. Listen, and this is the thing that's most significant. God has come to set you free from you. That's what God has come to do. It is significant and important that God no longer wants sin to have dominion over you. Now, listen, hear me. 
Sin has no power of its own. Do you understand? Your sin is your problem. My sin is my problem. We just got done studying uh, James. And the book of James makes it very clear that everyone is drawn away of their own lusts. Everyone is drawn away of their own lusts. But God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have not just come to forgive you of your sins, but to break the power of sin over you. That selfishness would no longer... Now listen, hear me. That selfishness would no longer be the norm in your life. Now, with that in mind, turn back to chapter 2, verse 11. And notice the difference, listen, hear me, notice the difference between religious, super, uber religious people and those who are new creatures, those who have indeed been changed into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how this says, now notice, dearly beloved. So to begin with, and it is those who are changed speaking to those who are also changed. Dearly beloved, I beseech you. Now this language, the word beseech, there, there, are, there are two different Greek words that are translated into the English word beseech in your Bible. One of them means to beg or to implore. And it's the idea of, um, I beg you, please give me a piece of that cake, right? Please, please, please let me have a piece of that cake. No, this cake's not for you, it's for somebody else. Please, please, please can I have a piece of that cake? That's what, that's what that one means. The other one is this one. And what it means, it's parakaleo. And what it means is I call you to my side. Literally, I call you to my side. It's a compound word, right? Para is to the side or beside, and kaleo is the word for to call, okay? So para kaleo, I call you to my side. Now what that means, this is so important, listen. There, if, if, if more Christians would call people to their side, what this means is this. I believe, I believe that, I'm going, that I can walk with God through his word and it'll be profitable for me. I believe it'll also be profitable for you. And I would like us to do it together. Let's do this together. In other words, I'm not better than you. I'm not, I'm not stronger than you. I'm not over you. What I'm saying is I believe God would have us to walk this way. Let's do this together. Let's walk together. So what, so what we see, the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter to those who are strangers scattered, who are not going to listen to what the bullies on the playground are telling them they must do. What he's saying is this. Let's do this together. Let's walk together. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Now notice that this is such a remarkable thing. Abstain from fleshly lusts. Why? Because what's wrong on the college campuses of America right now? And this is what's wrong. Everybody is pushing, promoting angrily their thing, right? My thing is better than your thing. My thing is, is more important than your thing. See, me, you. Me, you. This is what's going on everywhere. And here's the problem. The reason for that is fleshly lust. Every one of us is drawn away by our own fleshly lust. I, you know, um, there's, a, there's a young couple that, uh, that intends to join the church today. 
A couple days ago, I noticed that he had posted something uh, showing up in my timeline on Facebook, and it was, it's a Patriots um, something, something that had to do with Patriots. And it's a picture of Drew, and he's standing there with the, with the, with the Patriots, and I forget what it, what it says, but basically it's boasting about being a Patriots fan. And when I saw that, I jokingly said to him last night, he was over at, at something I was at last night, and I said to him, I said, you know, a couple weeks ago when you guys came to meet me about joining the church and you gave me the testimony of your salvation and, and how you'd follow the Lord in believer's baptism and, and how you believe this is where God would have you to go to church, all you had to tell me is that you're a Patriots fan. That would have just been enough. Amen? Because that, now think about this. We, we, pay, we pay to go see men play games. And they make millions and millions of dollars. And then they act as if we ought to listen to what they think. I'm sorry, if you understand. We, we, need, we need to understand the difference between brotherly love and having my way. You understand? Christianity, listen, Christianity is not a large mob of people who will act together politically. That is not what Christianity is. Christianity is a bunch of people who have been set free from fleshly lusts. So the wording here is this. Notice what he says. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I call you to my side. As strangers and pilgrims, abstain. What does abstain mean? Anybody know what abstain means? How much do you get to have if you're abstaining? Okay. So if you're abstaining from sugar, you're abst- if you're abstaining from sugar, what does that mean? You don't get to have any sugar. You're having a bad day, somebody said. <laughs> If you're abstaining from sugar, that means that you can't have any sugar. So whatever you're abstaining from, there can be none of it in your life. So what, notice what he says. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, try to be less fleshly. But that's not what it says. It says abstain from... Now listen, he doesn't just say that we should abstain from fleshly lust. He explains why. Yes? What does it say? Abstain from fleshly lust, which what? That's terrible. I mean, honestly, that... Which war against the soul. So here's the, here's the real problem. And I'm, listen, I don't think most people really believe that they need to be set free from themselves. But your lusts are killing you. They're killing you. I'm not saying that. The word of God is that. The lusts in your life and the lusts in my life, they don't war against my flesh. They don't war against my marriage. They, war, they do affect my flesh. They do affect my marriage. But they war against not just my soul. It says the soul. So it's not just that it's my soul. It's, it is that it is against the soul of those around me. Fleshly lusts ruin lives. I saw, I saw a headline yesterday. You probably saw this. Two mothers. And, 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 if, and when you see them, we're talking about mothers who look to be in their late 20s, early 30s. Two mothers... OD'd on heroin in the front seat of their car while their children were in their car seats in the back seat. And I, and I thought to myself, what, what steps took place in these poor young ladies' lives that they, have come, that they came to that point? They didn't commit suicide. They just overdosed in the front seat of their car while their children were in the back seat of their car. And listen, you can judge them if you want to. You can think whatever you want to think about these poor ladies, but if that's the thought that runs through your mind, I think you're missing the whole point. 
What happened in their lives and who could have touched their lives along the way to rescue them from such decisions? Because I promise you, they didn't, they didn't come out of Target or Walmart or wherever they were and get into their car and say, hey, you know what I found on the, in the shopping cart? I found this stuff. I have no idea what it is. Let's, let's do this stuff and just see what happens. It's not what happened. It was, I promise you, it was this bad decision followed by this bad decision. And there has to be a great deal of hurt and hopelessness for them to, have, to be doing these drugs at all. Yes? Why? Because they're fleshly lusts that war against their soul. Having your conversation. Now, here's the thing about conversation. The English word conversation. um, A lot of people have a problem uh, with the Bible, with some of the language in the Bible. The problem with the Bible isn't the Bible language. It's that we we don't speak good English anymore. That's the problem with it, okay? We're not well speakers anymore in English. The word conversation means the way you live your life. Having your conversation. So this is what he's saying. We obsess, we have, we, we, listen, I want you to picture this. Some, a lot. We have a lot of people out of our church that are away at colleges right now. right? So they're on these campuses everywhere. And if, and if our young people can walk with Jesus and abstain from fleshly lusts, then notice what it says. Then their conversation will be honest among those that they're around. That whereas they might speak against you as evildoers. In other words, they might say terrible things about you because you don't believe in evolution. They might say terrible things about you because you don't go to this place or that thing or do this thing or do that thing. But what it says is this, uh, but they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, not for the ordinance's sake, not for other men's sake, but so that the Lord can be honored and glorified in your life as you're not the one walking around being unkind. I was talking um, earlier today, this morning, to someone, I was going to say his name, but I realize not everybody, not everybody is as open with their conversations as I am. It is hard for us to try to do good in the spirit because we try to do good in our flesh. And when we try to do good in our flesh, we actually oppose what God wants to accomplish in our lives. Do you understand? Again, just go read, if you don't understand, just go read Romans chapter 7. Because here's this, listen, you can go to work or to school with the best of intentions I re- honestly, how many, I mean, I, maybe I'm the only one that's ever wrestled with this. Anybody ever been on the way home and thought, you know, when I get home today, I'm really going to make sure that our house is fill, filled with joy and love because I love my wife and my children. I just can't wait to get home and be around them. And then you walk into the house and something tragic has gone terribly wrong. Amen. Anybody ever come across that? Just raise your hand if that's true. Thank God I'm not the only one. Amen. My wife knows. I mean, and I, I'll tell my wife. And, and let, let me just give you the way I would normally phrase this. I hope I don't do this now, but I know I did. What I would say is this. I was so happy about coming home on the way home, but, right? And now, so, so now I'm going to be angry, but it's not my fault. If the house had been what it should have been when I got home, it would have been a glorious homecoming, I promise you, amen? But see, my lust was against our soul. Do you understand? Do you realize this? It's the same. You can go to work and think, I I love the people that I work with or for or over. I do. And I want good for them. 
and I will do what's good for them today. And the next thing you know, you're doing something that hurts them. And you're, you're thinking, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I meant. If we will let God, the Holy Spirit, work in our lives so that they can see good works in our lives, which if it's good works, you didn't do it. Anybody? Now, I, mean, I, I know that sounds really weird, but is anybody really beginning to understand or really lay hold of the fact that if it's good, I didn't do it? Can anybody testify to that? If it's good, I didn't do it. And I, well, I tell you, I have become so, so aware of this, and I am so glad now for things to go well, I don't care who gets the glory for the fact that it went well. Amen? God deserves all the glory anyway. We say that, but what we find is this. If we try in our strength, we are going to hurt them. But if we'll let God do it, God who is powerful, God who does love, God who can work even through that vessel that you live in, amen? God can do this. Verse 15, and I don't want to, again, I don't want to spend a lot, I just want you to see this. Verse 15, notice what it says. For so is the will of God. This is the will of God. You know, what's interesting is people say, I want to know the will of God for my life. Okay, here it is. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So look, look up here. So th instead of being overcome of evil, we are to overcome evil with good. Now, we, we know we don't possess this. In me that is in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. But so, in my life, it is God's intention that through my new life, right? Again, if you want to understand this, go back to the beginning of this chapter where we as living stones have come onto the cornerstone who is able to accomplish in our lives and we will just come together. We will assemble together as those who are born again and when we're here, while we're here, because of the cornerstone, because of the foundation stone, because of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, we can have sweet fellowship, we can sing praise, we can worship him, we can read the word of God and he gets all the glory, amen? Now, here's what he's saying is this. Now, but when we're not assembled together as living stones and we are scattered, when we go out to the places that God would have us to go out, that same God that brought us together in sweet fellowship, spiritual fellowship, can rule in our lives in a spiritual way also. Amen? So now you may be on your own. You may go to the office you go to tomorrow and be the only believer there the only person who's a new creature who's born again you may be and they may treat you poorly as we read here they may treat you harshly as we read here they may treat you unreasonably and so you're fully justified and then acting out when they treat you you're not you're not how does god in, listen hear me how did god conquer you and this is the answer it is the goodness of god that leads us to repentance yes it is the goodness of God. I was not saved by the wrath of God. I was afraid of the wrath of God because I had earned it. But I wasn't saved by the wrath of God. I was saved by the love of God. It is the love of God that made me walk toward God. It was the, when someone told me that as I was, God would rescue me if I just go see him. That led me to salvation. So what do they need? And what they need is to see that same exact thing. And how will they, who are still being tossed about by their own lust, ever be set free? And the answer is, if they can see the testimony of the power of God in another 
life. If they can see the glory of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God somewhere else, they may actually say, I treat them poorly continually, and they are really nice to me. And then, and this is, I mean, I'm just giving you the, my exact testimony. And then one day they may ask you the same thing I asked Bob. And that's this, how can you behave yourself like you do while we're behaving ourselves the way we do? And this was his answer, Jesus. Period. Not being a Baptist, not going to church, not following the Bible. His answer was Jesus. Jesus has made a difference in my life. And I immediately shut him down. I didn't want to talk about I don't want to talk about religion. And he said, I don't either. Jesus can do this. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now we read the word ignorance and act as if they're being the fool on purpose. But does anybody really know what ignorance is? What is ignorance? You don't know. You know, I remember when I was I remember when I was a boy, I can't remember what we were doing. It, it either had something to do with guns or probably not guns. And I say this because my father was yelling at me about something, and my grandfather was there. And whatever it was, I wasn't doing it well. And my grandfather said, he said, Eric, you act as if he was born knowing which is a phrase my grandfather would use. You act as if he was born knowing. Do you understand what he means when he says that? If you don't show him, he can't do that because none of us were born understanding how that functions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, the irony is when it came to technology, my dad was not born knowing, I promise you, right? My dad does not, he still today, I show you, does not understand how an outlet works, if you know what I mean. Okay, other than you plug something in and it, and it comes on, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not picking on to say that, but we are not born knowing the things that matter. Listen, for so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye, that's us, may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. How? As free. You are free. If you're born again, you are completely free. Notice this, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor, and how many? You can just circle it if you want to. Honor, how many men? And by the way, you'll notice the word men is in italics. And what it actually is saying is honor everybody. Just honor everybody. You say, well, they strongly disagree with me. Honor them. Honor them. Treat them with honor. They deserve it. God created them. They are a created being. They are a human being created in the image of God. And God fully intends that we treat each other with much more dignity than the average person treats one another. Open the door for them. You know what I'm saying? You know, the other day I opened a door for a woman and I was rebuked for it because I don't remember why. I'm not supposed to, you're not supposed to open a, door, open a door for some women. Some women say thank you when you open a door for them. Some women say, who do you think you are opening a door for me? Yeah, that type of a thing. And, you know, but you know what? Just, I just, I'll just keep opening the door. And then just say, and then honestly, when they say, um, you know, who do you think you are for opening the door? Just, just close it on them real quick. Bang! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> do you see how that doesn't go to the message, right? So all you, so you open the door and they say something unkind to you. Listen, and if you think to them, oh, you're one of those people, you're not understanding that they're just ignorant. And again, if you think me saying they're ignorant is being mean to them, I'm not being mean to them. They don't know. I didn't know, right? 
right? I didn't know. You didn't know. What, is it, what does it say uh, down, down here towards the uh, end of this? It says in verse 24, who his own self, praise God, right? Who his own self, all by himself, by the way. If you want to see that, go to Hebrews chapter 1. Who by himself, who his own self, by himself, bear our sins in his body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Amen? And the person that's treating you poorly, they probably haven't had their stripes healed. They probably do not know the love of God. But you do. Listen, if you do, if you do, what God is saying here is this. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. I'm going to say one more thing and we're going to be done. Go back to uh, chapter 1, verse 8, and we'll be done. Chapter 1, verse 8. Whom, the word whom, the antecedent to the word whom is right above it, it's Jesus Christ. Whom, Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you've never seen him, and you've never seen Jesus. You've never seen the glorified Christ other than by faith. And you have seen him by faith. And I could not convince you otherwise because you have seen him by faith. And praise God for that. Whom, having not seen, ye love. Praise God. And whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is what your coworkers, this is what the, your fellow students, this is what your neighbors, this is what your extended family, this is what they all need to see. They need to see people who are able to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory while they're buffeting us, not for our faults, but for things they're just upset with us about. Amen? Look, you decide. Honestly, you decide. The, the point is, God the Holy Spirit is asking us to beseech one another to walk together in this way. This is what real fellowship is. You can say to me, uh, uh, Pastor, uh, you won't believe what happened to me at work today, blah, 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 blah. And I can... And I can um, go through it with you, if you understand what I'm saying. That's, 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 that's fine. But we should be able to rejoice in the goodness of God, even in the midst of those who can't rejoice in the goodness of God. People who are unhappy are unhappy. They are. I, you've met them. I've met them. I, I've met them. We've met them. There's no way to make them happy. Really, right? I mean, honestly. You know, my, another phrase. My dad had some phrases. Right? I suppose every dad did, right? My dad used to say to me, you'd complain if they hung you with a new rope. <laughs> and every time he would say that, I'd say, of course I'd complain if somebody was trying to hang me. I mean, I'm saying, I don't care, old, new, I don't care what kind of rope it is, you know what I'm saying? You'd complain if they hung you with a new rope. The point is, you're never satisfied, is the point that he was making to me. And you know what? Before I was saved, I was never satisfied. You want to know why? Because this world doesn't satisfy. My flesh doesn't all your flesh does is desire more. doesn't matter what your flesh gets. Your flesh wants more, right? Just like Hitler. He didn't want everything. He just wanted his neighbor's land. And then he wanted that neighbor's land. And then that, that's just what your flesh is. It doesn't need everything. It just needs this today. And then you get it and you say, I am now forever happy. I finally got that. I think I want that now. Amen? Yes? Anybody ever been there? That is exactly what our flesh is like. And Jesus came to break that in our lives. Break it. Just break it completely. So that I would be enamored. Listen, I mean with all my heart. We're almost done. That I would just be enamored with how great he is. Um, the church that I was just at in West Virginia, there was a gentleman praying at the end of one of the services. 
And, and this is what he said. And, I, and he said, he said, Lord, Pastor Pearson has been here with us for two, for two years now. And he's never asked us to do anything. He's never told us we should do anything. But I realize that you're much better than I ever thought you were. And I thought, That's, then I've done what I should do. Right? Because when we leave here today, you should be aware that your Lord Jesus is able to make you free so that you don't have to use your liberty for a cloak of oblivious and go around and get your way. That you will be able, and listen, you should probably have some sense of failure in your own life in, this, in the past, right? Knowing, boy, I sure have messed this up a lot. Yeah, I have messed this up a lot. Amen? I have messed this up a lot. Gone to work many days and thought, you know, I, I remember, I can't remember who it was. Somebody, they just left our church a little while ago. They were getting a new job. They were going somewhere. And I remember, it was a, it was a young lady, and I remember her, her saying to me, I sure hope I'm a better coworker where I'm going than I have where I am now. And, I, and when she said that, I thought, boy, do I, am I ever aware of that? She's a young Christian. I remember thinking, I remember as a young Christian thinking, oh, boy, I've lost all testimony here, Right? Because I was an angry man before I was saved. Now, I was saved from being an angry man, but it didn't keep me from being an angry man every now and then, if you understand what I'm saying. And after you do that a couple times at work, it's like you can tell them how great Jesus is all you want at that point. All they know you are is that when your team loses, you get upset. Amen? God wants that not to be our lives. Why? 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 Because we're not, that's not what we're meant to live like anymore. And listen, listen. We're not meant to live like that. It's not good for us to live like that. But more than that, the people around us, they need him. We testify that he's wonderful. We do, right? I hope you do. Well, if he is, then is he making the change in your life that only he can make in your life? If he isn't, let him. Because the people around you have no hope but to let him do that for them. They, they need his salvation. There's only one Savior. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is powerful enough to save them. You would testify, even though I fail, he was powerful enough to save me. Amen? And I know that he which hath begun a good work, he shall perform it. Amen. That's wonderful. Amen. Now, just be honest with them at work about that. Go to, you may, some of us may have to go to work and say, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something. I have failed to be the witness that I should be to how great Jesus is, and I'm sorry. I have said things I shouldn't. I got involved in conversations. I said jokes. Like, whatever it was, I've done things I shouldn't have done. I have been hurtful, and I'm sorry. But I'm telling you, Jesus is not like that at all. Because they need to understand how good he is. Not how good you are, not how good our church is, how good Jesus actually is. And he is that good. Amen? That's it. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Lord, help us to understand that you are the shepherd, that you are the one that brings us all to where we're supposed to be. And you are the bishop. You are the one that oversees and watches over and takes care of us. Thank you, Father, for this. Thank you for this wonderful truth. Thank you for who you are and how you want to work in our lives. Lord, may each and every one of us appropriately respond to what it is that you want to do in our lives simply by receiving what you say at your own word. We thank you for this and we praise you in Jesus' name. 